Welcome back. Good to have you. Phil Michaels Show continuing on today. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Would love to hear you. Um, there, there, you know what? There's so much talk about MVP right now going on, and I get it because it's a big game coming up. Do, do, I don't know. Dak Prescott is playing incredibly well. I don't know. It's like it's like people are willing Dak Prescott because he's the most talked about quarterback in the National Football League for some reason. It's like people are willing him to an MVP. Do you think Dak's the front runner for the MVP right now? Yes. I, I thought that since um... – after that Thursday night, I thought that going into that Seahawks game last week and then thought it even more after the Seahawks game. Yeah, man. I Tariq Hill is pushing 2000 yards. How do we not consider Tariq Hill? You know what I mean? He'll be he'll be considered. He'll be talked about. But it was the same with Cooper Cup when he won the Triple Crown a couple of years ago. It's like, that's really nice. But now we're going to give it to the best quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it it's. I, man, I don't know. I, maybe it's because I just I am so anti-Dak and always have been. I thought they just blew a ton of money on him when they paid him all of that, and he hasn't really won in the postseason. Um, I mean, when it comes to overall yardage, really, I mean, C.J. Stroud's the yardage leader. C.J. Stroud, I mean, as a rookie, his quarterback rating is 101.1. Brock Purdy's is 116. How can Brock Purdy not be considered one of the best passers in the National Football League? And, and it's not a lot by a little. It's by a lot. Dak Prescott is the second most um, highest-rated quarterback at a 108.3. And then it's it's like a point or two that does divide everybody else all the way down. Brock Purdy's thrown for 3,185 yards. Dak Prescott, 3,234 yards. Brock Purdy averages 9.6, Dak Prescott 7.9. Their yards per game are about even. Uh, Brock Purdy has a higher completion percentage. He's got 23 touchdowns, 6 TDs. Dak has 26 and 6 TDs. They both have played in 12 games. Dak has attempted 411 passes. Brock Purdy's done it 332 attempts. I, I, I'd give it to Brock Purdy. How can Brock Purdy not be in the consideration, like serious consideration, for an MVP? Two is thrown for even more yards. C.J. C.J. Stroud's thrown for the most yards in the National Football League, and he's got twenty touchdowns and only five picks, and a quarterback rating of one hundred one point two. I, I don't know how. I can just turn around and give it to Dak. And the 49ers dump truck Dallas earlier this year. So how can Dak be the front runner? Other than just popularity contest, how can Dak be the front runner? It would be it would be a travesty if you didn't give it to Brock Purdy at this point. Am I missing something here? I also don't think that Brock Purdy's the best player on his own team. Like I think 
I think McCaffrey's better. I think Debo's better. So that's part of it, too. Dak is at least the face of his franchise and the best player on his offense. You could argue Micah Parsons, but Dak is the face of the franchise, and that's part of it, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, with Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey, I think, leads all rushing yards so far this season with uh, over – he's over 1,000 yards. That I know. Look, I'm not saying that this is a clear and easy MVP decision. This is a weird year. And I don't think there's a perfect option, but Dak might be the best one right yeah. now. And if and if he plays really good against the Eagles on Sunday night, then it will. There's still a couple of weeks left, so this is not set in stone yet. Right. Um, and that's a great question. But the you you just look at the standings. Um, Dallas nine and three, San Francisco nine and three, San Francisco dump truck Dallas. Dallas has a point differential of plus one sixty eight, which is just crazy. But San Francisco's got plus 163. Dallas, when you look at their schedule and what's remaining, obviously a big game against the Eagles, then the Bills, then the Dolphins, then the Lions, then the Commanders. They have got somewhat of a juggernaut when it comes to the remainder of their schedule. Meanwhile, San Francisco and uh, what the 49ers have to offer, uh, they've got Seattle, the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Commanders, the Rams. So they have a little bit easier schedule to go down the stretch. So Dak, you're gonna if, if Dak plays well and say three out of those four tough games remaining, because the Washington Commanders will be pretty much done by that point. And Dallas still may have something to play for on the last day of the season. So you should get Dak's best shot. I would assume, yeah, you're probably right that the 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 script isn't written completely yet because of the the tough four game stretch that the the Cowboys have coming up. And Dak typically has not played well against these top teams. So if you, now the the Eagles' defense is not what it was last year, but I still think the Eagles have the ability to go into Dallas and get a win. I just do. And how much credit do you give Mike McCarthy? So much. Remember, because, I I mean, and nobody wants to, not here, but McCarthy blew out his play caller last year. Said, look, if I'm going down, I'm going down my way. And Dak didn't look good at the end of the season. There was a lot of questions, still making the turnovers. Had a horrible season last year. And then Mike McCarthy said, I'm done. I'm taking it back over. And it has been magnificent. Now, against San Francisco, ass-kicking but it's been magnificent. This might be one of McCarthy's best coaching jobs. So I, but, but still I look at Brock Purdy's numbers. And I'm like, how do you not make Brock Purdy the MVP? If you're st- strictly going to make it a, a, a statistical based type of uh, type of award, how do you not look at that and say that Brock Purdy is, is the best by far. Now, here's the other thing. Um, it, when it comes to uh, the statistics, and I go back to Tariq Hill, when you've got the receiving yards at fourteen hundred and eighty-one yards by Tariq Hill, I mean, he's all—he's like three hundred yards more than anybody else. By the way, C.D. Lamb has eleven hundred and eighty-two. He's the second highest yard getter in the National Football League, playing with Dak Prescott. But how do you how do you not consider Tariq Hill? who has 12 touchdowns on the season, leads everybody in touchdowns, leads everybody in yardage. It's, it's, and not, he doesn't even lead everybody in targets. That's the thing. 
He's averaging 123.4 yards per game by himself. Tariq Hill has to be into that consideration. Has to, in my opinion. 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, do it. Love to hear from you. And if you got a thought on this, give it. Um, Scott says, uh, hey, Bill, uh, you're not taking into consideration that Dak Prescott has turned around. Yeah, we kind of talked about that, that Mike McCarthy's turned around his season this year from where he was last year. But, you, but you're not basing it off of your numbers from last year. You're basing it on your most valuable assets this season. That's like when people got so upset because how do you take Georgia out of the top four? They've won 23 state. Well, this team didn't. This team got beat in the conference championship. They're 12 and one. This team this year, that's what you rate them on. You don't rate them on what they've done over the last two or three years. You just don't. You can say the stamina of the program and the ability to have consistent winning. Yeah, that can sway you a little bit if all things are equal. But I don't give a team a break because they won it two years ago or they had a win streak coming into this season. It doesn't matter to me. you got to base it upon this year. If you want to put it this way, you want to base it upon last year, Brock Purdy wins it. Brock Purdy wins it. That team was garbage. And then they bring in McCaffrey. Then they bring in Brock, Brock Purdy takes over. And you saw what this team was without Brock Purdy against Philadelphia in an NFC Championship game. They didn't stand a chance, right? Look at the uh, look. Look at what Brock Purdy then brought to the team. Brock Purdy dump trucked Dallas. They dump trucked Philadelphia. How do you ignore that? Somebody convince me. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Um, the Nooner says absolutely. We owe Sean Payton an apology. Um, he's, he was dead on with Nathaniel Hackett. And how bad does this make Aaron Rodgers look when he wants everybody to keep his guys' names out of their mouths, but yet everybody Aaron Rodgers has brought in is either let go, doesn't produce, or is drawing the ire of fans? Even Look, he loved Nathaniel Hackett, brought Nathaniel Hackett in. There's a comfort level there. It works with Aaron Rodgers. It probably doesn't work with anybody else. That's the evidence. Luke Getze quarterback coach, offensive play caller or, or offensive coordinator setup guy during the week, whatever. Going to grab that. He worked with Aaron Rodgers. Bring him down. We're going to make Justin Fields a better quarterback. Failure. Failure. That hasn't happened. It, it, Aaron Rodgers has surrounded himself with guys that he likes, that gives him comfort. And quite frankly, Yes, man. Yes, man. He liked Tom Clements because Tom Clements challenged him. He didn't like Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy wanted it Mike McCarthy's way. He likes Matt. Lef- he liked Matt Lafleur because in the beginning, Matt Lafleur did everything he could to kiss his ass, and then kind of gradually lost the control over that cir- circumstance with Aaron Rodgers. But everybody Aaron Rodgers wanted. He's gotten, and they don't produce worth a damn. Not at all. But that's, again, ripping the Band-Aid off of an old wound. <laughs> so. Did you see, and I, I know, like, cowherds a blowhard, 
Uh, I just really like sports radio, so I typically listen to what he has to say every day. He led yesterday by talking about Aaron Rodgers. I, I got to send you the clip, Bill. He and and he didn't tell any lies. He didn't he, like he didn't say anything that wasn't true. He went after Aaron Rodgers and basically said, "Look at the Packers quietly going about their business, winning. Mike McCarthy quietly going about his business in Dallas, winning." Yep. I, it, I'll have to send you the clip because he he, he kind of barbecued Aaron Rodgers for what it's worth. No, if, if you find it, play it. We'll take a listen to it. Put it on the air. We don't care. I like that. Yeah, put it on the air. Let's take a listen to it. We'll do that. 877-867-1670. Hit us up a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. Coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Oh, I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Oh, oh. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella, no. Pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends Smoke on the Water on Okachi Lake. They have the Okachi Christmas tomorrow night. Raising money for Fisher House, Wisconsin, for uh, military members, their families, and veterans. So we're going to be out there tomorrow. And uh, tomorrow night, they've got music tomorrow night, the concert tomorrow night, and the concert on Saturday. You can pick a night. But with your ticket, you get some beverages, you get some food, a lot of fun. We're bringing, like I said, I think like 18, 17, 18 people tomorrow night. We're going to have a party of our own. But come on out. Smoke on the Water, Okachi Lake. Tomorrow, we're going to be there. Hopefully, you are as well. So, I'm not a huge Cowherd fan, and I haven't heard this, but this goes along the lines that we were talking about Sean Payton and what he said about Nathaniel Hackett, and we thought, boy, boy, that's dastardly. Now, you don't do that. It is considered classless to do what Sean Payton did. I understand why he did it. He was deflecting any blame from his team, putting it on last year's kind of resetting, so to speak. But the way he went about it from point A to point B sucked. You don't do that. However, he's looking more right because of what he's doing, the reclamation project he has in Denver versus the absolute positive train wreck that they have in New York right now for the Jets. And then when you talk about the personnel and what Aaron Rodgers has demanded since he, well, when he was here and when he left. Take a listen to Colin Cowherd. I have not heard this. This is what he had to say about Aaron Rodgers. So Diana Rossini broke the story that Zach Wilson was asked to play, and he didn't want to play. 
The kid from BYU, the quarterback, it hasn't worked. We don't know, go in, need to go into details on that. It hasn't worked. So he was asked to play after he was benched, and he's like, I won't play. And the Jets are freaking out. Who's leaking it? Where's it coming from? And Diana Rossini is doubling down on her report on the Michael K. show in New York. Aaron wanted all the power, all the attention, all the leverage, all his guys. He got it, and it's a remarkable mess. Green Bay's just humming along, and so is Mike McCarthy. You know, it's been interesting to watch Aaron, who I was very critical of early, but I did acknowledge I liked him better than Favre, and he's one of the great throwers of the football up there with Dan Marino and Joe Montana I've ever seen. Then he got a little weird. Sometimes guys do. They're older, never married, no kids, not even sure he has a dog. It's all about him. I've seen other guys like that. Gets richer and richer. A little stranger. He views himself now as an oracle, a truth teller, above cliched narratives of the media or the government, above mandates, above vaccines, not beholden to structure or norms of society like the rest of us mere mortals. He is a prophet, a guru. Well, here's a cold, hard truth. Green Bay is laughing this morning. Brian Gudenkunst is probably texting Joe Douglas. Welcome to my world. There you go. There you go. And there is nothing there I can disagree with. It's funny. <laughs> there is nothing there I can disagree with. 100%. Bryce says, who is Diana Rossini? Diana Rossini was with ESPN for a while. She's been a longtime NFL reporter, was with the ESPN, and she was part of the cuts. Uh, why they let her go and kept Kimberly Martin, I have no idea. I mean, I think I have an idea, but I have no idea. She, because Kimberly Martin is garbage. But Diana Rossini, very credible, has been for a very long time, now writes for The Athletic, works in New York, and she's the one that broke the story. She's always been kind of uh, – it's funny because Diana Rossini broke the story. When she was with ESPN, she was the most credible, credible NFL expert there was, which I found ridiculous, but that's the way they promoted her. Then the minute she breaks the story, well, let's see what Kmart has to say. And she refutes stuff, and, you know, she's an idiot. But I, uh, I Diana Rossini, I, look, I, I trust her. And it could have been a comment about Zach Wilson that he just said, oh, God, I, do I want to go through this again? You know, type of making, you know, kind of a light of a moment when he's being told he's the starter. But, Robert, did we hear from Zach Wilson at all yesterday, by the way? So I wasn't exactly looking for it. I figured if he said anything completely nuts, I would have seen it. I'll go check. But typically quarterbacks speak on Wednesday. The only reason that Jordan right. Love didn't speak is because they're Monday Night Football. So right. back. He'll today. talk today. But but that that's my question is Robert Sala was all over. You know, he's excited. He's when he was told, you know, he's going to be back under center. He's pumped. He's excited. He's thrilled at the opportunity. Blah, blah, blah. You know. And no, that was never said. And then, you know, the Jets are all denying it now. When in reality, somebody said it. She, you don't – people rip reporters for this stuff now. We did have a sideline reporter that said they made things up, but it was very generic stuff. You never made up a sensational headline. You just never did that. You don't do that. No reporter, nobody ever that I know – that I know that's got, you know, loaded credibility has ever just made up a sensationalistic, you know, story just to make it up. You know, um, you, you, 
like a sideline reporter may say, you know, yeah, you know, the key is here to try to create a couple of turnovers and keep the quarterback upright, you know, and that's what they're going to attempt to do here in the second half. Well, okay, every coach says that. Oh, all right, no problem. But nobody would make up the headline and say, Zach Wilson doesn't want to go back under center and doesn't want to go through this again as the New York Jets starting quarterback. You know? But anyway. But yeah, Colin Cowherd nailed it. I give him a little, I give him some credit there. And like I said, Colin Cowherd at times just seems, he says things and it's like out of touch. It's like, where would you get that? But in this particular case, I don't think anybody needs to have a close up view or a helicopter view to understand what's gone on. And with Aaron Rodgers putting himself out there on the McAfee show every week in his way, um, he's it's there for the world to judge, not just those behind closed doors or those that cover the team on a daily. And I, I know Cowherd mentioned the vaccine, and I, I don't care how anyone feels about the vaccine. It's, it's just an example of how Rodgers like, well, I am smarter. I am different. Right. I do things my way. And, I, and right. again, if it wasn't for the vaccine, it probably would have been something else. If it's not something with Rodgers, it's something else. He's always yeah. showing that it's his way, it's better. And I honestly think that that's the that, smarter one. Yeah, and that made it yeah. harder to win football games sometimes. Not all the yep. time, but sometimes. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, Aaron was always a deep thinker. Even when the, the first day I met him during the, the rookie symposium, going back years and years ago, he just morphed into something that he, he's, he's got a lot of good qualities to him, too. That's the shame of it. But he's morphed into kind of a condescending jerk. He just he 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 just did. He, I I don't know how else to put it. He just did. Um, he, and then the 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 things that he gets. It's funny because the things that he gets mad over, are the things that he does. He's like one of the biggest, most outspoken hypocrites ever. And then if you question him about it, he gets pissed at you. So. Yeah, I mean, it's like, look, uh, not our monkeys, not our circus. You know, the old the old saying. I, I, I'm, uh, Jeff says, uh, Jeff is a buddy of mine, and he's listening down in Alabama. He says, uh, aren't you glad <laughs> you don't have Rodgers around anymore? Or was he huge ratings? Both. Both. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Both. He, Aaron Rodgers was always huge ratings. He was listenable. He, you couldn't wait for something crazy to come out of his mouth or something biting or what have you. Uh, but also, he was exhausting. He was exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, he was exhausting. And this, I, I'll be honest, this is like, uh, this is... It, it's it's weird. When we start to talk about Rodgers and you start to hear stuff from the outside that people are saying, like Colin Cowherd, Grant, I don't know about you, but I get this feeling of this is like heavy exhausting. This is PTSD for what we went through for so long with every day it was something else. And, you know, now he's mad at somebody spilling the beans behind closed doors in the New York Jets organization. And then, well, if we're in it, I'll come back. But if we're not, then I – 
you know, either you're going to play or you're not. And total disregard to the guys that are out there giving the blood, sweat, and tears every day. And, you know, oh, and he, he's, you know, pontificating from the pedestal that he's put himself on as if he's the savior. And it 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 really does. It brings back almost like a uh, a PTSD of this is just such crap. Well, and, and you could probably speak to this. You've done this for a long time, Bill. You've seen many different teams and different leagues. It's hard to win and win at the highest level when you're really noisy. You know, when your team constantly right. has stories coming out, there's constantly something going on. That's It's just not a great environment for winning every single week. Like, you want to be yeah. quiet. You want to be a streamlined. Well, Rogers said it. He said this is not something a winning organization does. We don't leak things like this. We don't have stories like this. Yeah. I was like, well, that's why the Jets don't win. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, all the stories came out, all the behind-the-scenes stuff came out in the Bleacher Report article after Mike McCarthy was fired. Yeah, that was the Tyler Dunn story. Yeah, exactly. People behind the scenes were saying, and Aaron was one of them. Aaron was one of them. That were given little jabs here and there, that were given a little you know, insight to the young guys who he knew that would get out. Aaron was one. That's what I'm saying. He's the biggest hypocrite walking the face of the earth. He just is. Uh, let's do this. We're going to talk Packers football. Andy Herman of the Packer Day Podcast is going to join us when we come back. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, we'll talk about the, this possibility for a contract extension for Jordan Love. We'll talk about where this team has kind of flipped the switch uh, over the last three, four weeks. We'll get into that discussion. And the expectations now for this team moving forward going into the Monday night game. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It's a classic Okachi Christmas coming up this weekend. And it benefits Fisher House, Wisconsin. Can't say thanks enough to Joe Hennis and Ellen Hennis at Smoke on the Water Okachi. It's out there on Wisconsin Avenue on Okachi Lake. It's going to be a great night tomorrow night and coming up on a Saturday night as well. They've got music, Christmas carols, rock music, food, beverages, all for one price. And it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. We'll be there tomorrow night, and then uh, they're going to have uh, some other people coming in and a different crowd on Saturday night. But uh, if you can make it, uh, please spread the word. Bring some friends. It's going to be a holiday cheer-filled event, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So just find them over on uh, Facebook and just, uh, you know, Smoke on the Water BBQ Okachi. Smoke on the Water BBQ Okachi. Or just, you know, call, call, give them a call. Just tell them you want to get some tickets. Uh, you can find it. Okachi Christmas 23 at Eventbrite. Uh, so if you go to uh, okachichristmas23.eventbrite.com, you can buy tickets right now. But there's food, there's drinks, there's music, Christmas carols, rock music, all that kind of good stuff, and it benefits Fisher House, Wisconsin. So please, 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 if you can make it, come on out and join us. We're going to have a good time. Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast joining us over on the hotline now. Andy, how you been, pal? Hey, Bill. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, let's start off with the switch that has been flipped. Uh, what have you seen over, say, four weeks ago versus where we are today? Yeah, it seems unreal. It looks like a totally different team playing football than the team that was making so many kind of mistakes and just kind of beating themselves over that early part of the season, whether it was Jordan Love trying to take snaps from center and the ball's not being snapped, whether it was 
three guys waiting for the running back in the backfield or guys just having pre-snap penalties all over the place. And all of a sudden you see a team that looks motivated. They look hungry. I think as kind of lame and boring as this might sound, I think just getting that win in the win column against the Rams just kind of got this team going in the right direction. They desperately needed to feel the taste of victory again. Yes, it was Brett Rippon. Yes, the Rams did not play particularly well that day. But I think just kind of getting them going in the right direction with that game, they go into Pittsburgh following that. They play an extremely competitive game of football. Yes, you have the 200 yards allowed, and Green Bay's going to have to learn from that game going into the Giants game this week. But I think they had a lot of things on offense that were repeatable that they took away from that game. And all of a sudden you go and you face the Chargers and Justin Herbert. You pick up that win. You pick up the win against Detroit. You pick up the win against Kansas City. And it's just that little bit of momentum that they needed. And you've got a team that I think is somewhat inexperienced to the point of like they don't know any better sometimes. They don't know that they're not supposed to beat Patrick Mahomes at home or the Lions on the road on Thanksgiving Day. And there's just a ton of confidence. And you saw, I don't know if you saw Kenyon Drake, what he said to Justina Anderson. But he's like, he came in, this is a veteran running back. And he's like, I could immediately feel the energy of this team. They're competing. There's a legacy here. They're building something special. Like that's his first day walking into that practice with those players. And there is just a fun energy and vibe surrounding this team right now. I, uh, I want to ask you about Jordan Love specifically, because now they have decisions and moving forward, it looks like the more he does. And if he continues to play this way, he's got a contract waiting for him at the end of the season. Four good games, two really good games, eight bad games. You tell me what your thoughts are on Jordan Love thus far. Yeah, I think we're seeing Jordan Love grow in real time, learn in real time, and as of late, it's been exponential. It's funny because I go back to training camp, and a lot of the things that I saw from Jordan in training camp are translating now, and I thought actually started to translate at the beginning of the season. You go against Chicago, you go against Atlanta for those first three quarters, he had the pass protection. He was going through his progressions. The accuracy wasn't always there. You could see a little bit of the jitters still in him kind of getting his feet underneath him, literally and figuratively. But I thought you saw a quarterback that was kind of putting things together. Fast forward a couple weeks against Detroit in that week four game, and Detroit got pressure on him early. And this was the first time that he had to sort of adjust his clock because the team was getting there against him with pressure early and often, and he didn't adjust great. He was kind of continuing to go through his progressions, trying to get those big plays down the field, and wasn't just taking some of the underneath stuff that he needed to take. And then I think as a young quarterback is off to do in those situations, they kind of adjust their clocks a little bit too quickly. And all of a sudden you saw Jordan taking maybe a few too many checkdowns or maybe kind of getting the ball out of his hands too quickly. And then as the time went on and maybe after a few mistakes, he sort of kind of readjusted and the offensive line played better. The receivers starting to get it open a little bit more. And you saw this kind of rhythm pick up with Jordan and he kind of got back to doing some of the things he was doing very early in the season and in training camp. But now with accuracy, with a receiver group that's getting open, and everything just sort of came together at the right time, and now you've got this proof of concept of, and you, you could go back to the Chargers in Detroit and say, well, those are not great defenses, and you could caveat it all you want. But then you get to this Chiefs game, who has one of the best defenses in football, Sunday night football, huge game, and he just torches that defense all throughout the game. And I think, again, you can see proof of concept now, and it's all coming together at the right time. So at the end of the season, if it stays the way it is, what do you expect Jordan Love to be approached with contract-wise, if at all? Yeah, no, I definitely think he's going to be approached from a contract standpoint. And as far as what that number ends up being, it's going to be big and it's going to be probably something long-term. I'm sure Goody and, and Russ Ball are going to do everything they can 
to still give themselves you know, some outs in that contract, if at all possible, just because you never want to get into a Daniel Jones situation. And I'm not saying Jordan's ever going to turn into a Daniel Jones quarterback, but you just always want to try to protect yourself as much as possible. But you just go back to this is a quarterback that they traded up for in the draft when they had Aaron Rodgers. They jettison, they develop him. They jettison Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. They make him the starter. And then you see, again, what he's been able to do, especially over these past few weeks. They're not going to look for reasons to get rid of him. If anything, they're going to look for reasons to keep him. And what he just showed on a you know national spotlight over the course of the past couple of weeks is that he can do this. And they have everything that they need now to say, all right, there might be some hiccups along the way still. They might need to give them a little bit of a better running game or maybe a different weapon here or there from time to time, maybe a little bit better offensive line. Um, but if he has the right conditions, regardless of what defense he's going against, he can do this at a very high level. So I expect it to be a contract. I expect it to be a big contract, but I think they'll try as best they can to leave them any or leave themselves any sort of outs that they can. Uh, how big of a stretch is this? Because the expectation now, I mean, I would assume for everybody is this team should be able to make the postseason, uh, whether it's ten, nine or 10 wins, most likely they're going to be there. If they don't end up in the postseason, how disappointing from where we were to where we are to where we will be would it be if they are not there? It's so interesting to see how the dynamic changes week to week and through different you know areas of the season. Um, if you would have said you know a few weeks ago that this would be now a disappointing season if they all ultimately didn't make the playoffs, it would seem crazy, but it's legitimately true. And I think this is the next challenge for a really young and still very volatile team that I'm sure is still going to have some hiccups over the course of the next five games. But they are now in a position where they hold the seventh seed. They have the easiest remaining schedule in football. Their opponents are 20 and 40 on the season, losing double the games that they've won. And every single one of those games is winnable. And if nothing else, you have to view, you know, like the Chicago game and the Panther game. Like those two like are almost like gimmies right there for you if you want to take them. And if you go three and two, like you're looking at like an 80 to 90% chance that you're in the playoffs, just depending on which those two losses are to. And if you're four and one, five and oh, you're, you're absolutely in. So this is a, a new challenge for this team. They're now going to be the ones that are going to have a little bit of expectations on them. And I think it's just making sure that they don't take their foot off the gas, because if this team plays anything like they did against Detroit and KC, this team is going to go at least four and one the remainder of the season. If they take the foot off the gas a little bit, start making the same mistakes, because listen, Green Bay's biggest losses have not been to the Broncos or the like they beat themselves in the vast majority of those games. So if they can avoid doing that against some bad football teams coming up four and one or at minimum three and two should be the, the barometer and it should kind of get them in the playoffs from there. I, uh, I like the way Matt LaFleur has been calling games. You go back to the game against Detroit. You look at the game, obviously, this past week against Kansas City. What I mean, th There's a lot more motion, more movement. There's some aggressiveness. Uh, does it go back to kind of, you know, um, when he said, hey, he's just got to rip it, let it go? Does it go back to that, that he just kind of took the – I don't want to say the training wheels off the offense because we know Matt LaFleur hates that, but it looks like that's what he did. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. You can definitely tell he put a little bit more on Jordan's plate with all the checks that were there at the line of scrimmage for him this week. Um, I think the big thing is we've seen this from time, you know, from time to time from Matt before, and you see all this motion. Uh, you saw it a little bit against Chicago, too, where he really got into his bag. They were using so many different formations and so much motion, and it just looked like this beautiful game plan. 
And then all of a sudden you'll get to games where it's like it's very static and he doesn't use any of it. And it's just really interesting and weird to kind of see that. What I love this week is you mentioned the motion, not only the motion, but the different formations. You saw a four by one where they're faking a pitch and going back to the other side. The extra offensive lineman play action that gets two tight ends wide open in the end zone. Like those are the things that are really, really fun. But the, not only the formation, not only the, the schemes that he's joined up, but the, the personnel packages as well. Like every single eligible player on offense, not named Sean Clifford, got in that game for Green Bay. Royce Newman's used as an extra offensive lineman. They're rotating in Sean Ryan and Yash Nyman. Uh, they have obviously their, their entire group of running backs play, their entire group of wide receivers, all their tight ends, their fullbacks. Everyone got in the game. And what I've really enjoyed going back for the, like three, four weeks now, it really feels like they have a vision of how to use all these players. They're not just putting players out there and saying, go do this. They have a specific plan for what Christian Watson does well and Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks and Romeo Dobbs. They're putting all these players in positions to be successful, and that's what gives me maybe the most confidence moving forward that this team might have found something that is peaking at the right time. So moving forward, you get, they should win in New York. Is there a game that you would say this is going to be the game that's going to maybe determine how good they are down the stretch? Is it the Vikings game? Is it when Tampa Bay comes to town? What game do you think is a good test for them here on out? And then if they're victorious there, and to me I look at it as U.S. Bank Stadium, the rivalry game, the Vikings are still decent. They're still fighting for something as well. That game, that that then would maybe clinch our determination as to which direction the organization should be going at the end of the season. Yeah, there's a, there's a few of them. I, I think you mentioned one of them, the, the Vikings game. That to me, because you, you beat the Vikings, that's the one team that is also kind of in the playoff picture with you and you beat them, I guess Tampa Bay to some extent, but you beat the Vikings and it just makes your playoff probability go up. Uh, exponentially. So that's a big one. And we know that Minnesota can always be a tough place to play. I'm sure they're going to be a little bit of a better team with Justin Jefferson when he gets back. So that's definitely one of them. I actually, while I agree with you that I think they should expect to win this game, this first one in New York feels important to me because it feels like this is like, you just got through like the, the meat of your schedule and now you're kind of turning the page to these kind of five easier or at least winnable opponents. And it feels like if you can just kind of keep the gas going and keep the pressure on and do everything that you've been doing and don't just sort of take it for granted that, all right, you beat the Chargers, the Lions, and the Chiefs, and the Giants should be easy in comparison. There's a Giants team that's coming off of over two weeks rest with the bye the week before and now a Monday night football game. Like they're going to probably be a little bit rested, and I'm sure they scouted Green Bay to death and are going to have some plans in place to try to get a victory here. I think if you get past this first one and keep that momentum going, you then get a home game against Tampa. Baker's played, I think, in December in Lambeau the past couple of years, and it's gone brutally terrible. Like the Panthers should be a gimme. And then you've racked up hopefully three wins with only two games to go. And then last but not least, the, really quickly, the, the last one that I'd look at is what if they do get into the exact same scenario that they got into last year, where it's the final week of the season and it's winning you're in. And last year we knew they played the Lions team, a much better team than they play in the Bears this year. But the Lions didn't have anything to play for, and they let that opportunity slip through their hands. Can they learn from that a season ago and beat the Bears this year if they do have a winning you're in opportunity? Real quick, give me your thoughts on the defense, Joe Barry. Um, I, now, granted, the chapter has not finished and been completed for this season, but has he done enough to kind of save his job and really quiet the critics? I think the, the first part, yes. I think he's done enough to save his job. I don't think he's done enough to quiet his critics. I do think there's things that you can still nitpick at. There's some 
moments where you still want to kind of put your head through the wall with what's called in certain situations and circumstances, but the overall results have been pretty positive, especially over the course of the past few weeks. So I think he keeps his job. I don't think the, the critics are silenced quite yet. Yeah, no doubt. Andy, great stuff as always, pal. We certainly appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Can't wait. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks, bud. Talk to you. There you go. Andy Herman, Packaday Podcast. You can follow Andy at Andy Herman NFL on Twitter, on X, at Andy Herman NFL, and always has really good stuff. Always has really, really, really good stuff. Let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. we got a lot more to get to this portion of the program. Brought to you by our friends who have some music going on this weekend as well. On Saturday night, they got some bands over at Steel Tank Brewing and over at Rally Point. The new big music venue has opened now. Not only do they have terrific food, but they got music there as well. So if you're looking for a good night out and uh, say Friday night, you're going to join us over at Smoke on the Water. Well, then Saturday night, you got music at Steel Tank Brewing and at Rally Point. Great stuff. Roebrook Lane and Oconomowoc right behind the Exonia Bank off of 67. And their food is fantastic. Stop over and tell Dave and everybody that uh, we said hello. But more so than anything, enjoy yourself because it's worth it. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, 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 I need new windows. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Ho, ho. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. (laughs) Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends 12-31-2023. Yeah, we do. Bill Michael Show. Good stuff from Andy Herman. Hey, coming up here in just a few minutes, stay tuned. We got Paul Charchian's going to be joining us. If you have a fantasy football question, get it in now. Get it in now. And I know a couple of you have already sent them over to me, but get it in now because I know this might be uh, the time that you need it, need it the most. And, and give us an either or, one out of three. Don't give me like three out of five or something like that. Just, you know, give me an either or, whatever. If you got to start a quarterback or wide receiver, uh, what have you, go ahead and shoot it over to us, and we'll try to get as many questions as we can over to Paul Chargian. So, good stuff. Um, Dan, good morning to you. Everybody over on the live stream as well that's uh, going back and forth, Pete and Rick and Timothy and everybody that's over there. How are you doing? Hopefully uh, you guys are having a great day. And girls, for that matter. I know Mary and some of the other names are over there. This is uh, from Tim. Tim says, uh, great stuff with Andy Herman. Everybody seems to believe it's going to be a huge payday for Jordan Love. Do you think that Jordan Love is going to be looking for that? Of course he is. There is. He says, do you think he's going to be looking for that? Or do you think he's going to understand the ramifications of a big contract 
on the organization and how they're not going to be able to afford talent around him. Nope. I'm, I'm Nope. I'm sorry. He may say, look, I don't need $250 million. I'll take 230 But no. No. And quite honestly, if I'm the organization, I, I don't want to insult him, but I'm also not going over the top. Not with the first off. It's like, look, this is what we're thinking of doing. Give us your thoughts. And they're going to always want more, and you're going to want less, and you got to fall somewhere in between. You cannot jump back into the fire monetarily. And how many teams have we seen where they have young guys on the young contracts, they they way overpay, and then they just they don't have that same level of success? The first person to do it is Patrick Mahomes. To win a Super Bowl this year, making more than 13.5% of his team's total salary cap. The first quarterback in the history of the salary cap to ever win, making more than 13.5% of your team's total salary cap. It just, it, and he's a bona fide superstar. I just don't want to see the Packers approach that number. Not with a guy that's got four good wins under his belt. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and like knock Jordan Love. What I'm saying is it's the unknown and the unproven. You got to figure out a happy medium. You have to. You can't jump into that and go, oh, we're all in. Here we go. And and then they expect to be able to go out and afford guys to be able to – because we all know what it's about. You've seen it now. I've been here since 99. I watched a lot of bad football in Cincinnati for years. For years. Overpaid bad players. And never wanted to cut them loose. They never wanted dead money. I – there's got to be a happy medium. Okay. That being said, time now to get your fantasy football questions in if you haven't already. The Charge, Paul Charchian, he's going to join us coming up next. Stick around for that. Also, don't forget, uh, if you are uh, looking for a nice gift idea and you're out in the lacrosse area, maybe you want to send somebody a gift card from our friends at Big Boar Barbecue. Big Boar Barbecue right there in West Salem. That is a terrific place to go and eat. Very family-friendly. Family-owned, lunches, dinners, catering as well. Check out our friends at BigBoarBBQ.com. That's BigBoarBBQ.com. Church next on The Bill Michael Show.